Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another edition of the Hoops Happy Podcast. I am your host, Michael Duggar. And today's show, we're going to be continuing our division-by-division division breakdown of NBA teams and how their summers went, maybe a little brief refresher, things to look forward to in the upcoming season before we go in deep into team-by-team team breakdowns of what to expect and like season outlook. And last week, I went over the Southeast Division, which is arguably... Probably not arguably, is the worst division in all of the NBA. Features the Heat, Magic, Atlanta Hawks, Washington Wizards, and Charlotte Hornets. Not a lot of firepower there. And this next division is arguably the deepest in terms of top to bottom in the Eastern Conference. There's only three, so this one probably may not have the top end talent of the Atlantic, which we're going to get to end of this week, maybe early next week. But this conference, this division, I should say has some very exciting teams and we're going to go we're going to start like we do at the southeast we're going to go with, start with last year's standings and work our way down the standings list nothing to do with this year not a projection just just how it's going to go so we're going to start with the team that probably maybe not underwent the most dramatic roster overhaul but lost the best player in the world so their expectations are very lowered compared to the recent years and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the big news is LeBron James, LeBron James's departure for the Los Angeles Lakers, and how that officially closed the window on the Cavaliers' four-year title run, four years of making the finals and stuff like that, and the ro- the pieces that are left there at the rost on the roster are not that exciting to be honest. I'm just going to read the roster real quick. Jordan Clarkson, Sam Decker, Channing Frye, George Hill, Ronnie Hood, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., David Nwabas, Chetty Osman, Colin Sexton, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, Ante Zizic. I'm looking at that, and Kevin Love resigned for your deal, got a, over $100 million, sitting pretty. And then you're looking at besides after that, there's not that much that's enticing about this roster. Jordan Clarkson has two years left on his deal. So he is, and he, and he, after his last year showing in the playoffs, he's not really a slam dunk trade piece. Trade piece. Sam Decker's been bounced around the NBA already. Channing Fry came back to Cleveland and seemingly joined one of his best friends in Kevin Love. Him and Kevin, those two and Richard Jefferson seem to always be around each other and social media and all that stuff. So that's just a friendly thing to be a nice veteran. George Hill, 32 years old. It's safe to say the best days for him are well behind him. Rodney Hood, he's an enigma. Sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. As one of the most inconsistent players in the whole draft, in the whole, um, sorry, in the whole league. And you look back at that, and you keep going down this roster. Kyle Korver, thirty-seven years old, sharpshooter, still there. Larry Nance Jr. is nice, but he's a little, you know, a little limited in how far he and what he does because he's not really the best ball handler, not really the best shooter. He's just a Screen and roll, can play defense type of guy, and a highlight dunker. David Nwaba and Chetty Osman are two players I really like. I think that you have these guys on the wing, and um, they're they're hard, they're smart players. They defend well. They make the pass on offense. So having these type of players is great for a team, but. This team isn't really going anywhere. I see Inwaba. I see these two players as trade pieces. Honestly, you know, package them two with a Jordan Clarkson, maybe even a J.R. Smith if anyone wants, or Tristan Thompson if anybody is dying for playoff 
you know, just more playoff bodies. I think probably need a first round pick, late, late first round, high couple seconds, and some expiring contracts, which will set them up good moving forward. But as I mentioned, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, a couple of the leftovers from the previous year's draft. And the main centerpiece in this is Colin Sexton. I think Colin Sexton is my pick for the rookie of the year. He's going to have the ball in his hands more than any rookie. He's going to be competing every night. He's already gone viral with his defense in the summer league. I can't imagine what's going to happen on a night-to-night basis when he's just talking smack and all this stuff. Um, so I'm all in on the Colin Sexton experience. This team won't contend for the finals in the East, but they will be battling for it in the in the seventh and eighth seeds. Absolutely. Looking at, I mean, yes, losing LeBron is obviously the biggest, is terrible for a roster as well as what it does for the city, but this team is still very veteran heavy in a conference that's extremely young, at the bottom especially, and they have a good infrastructure around Colin Sexton. They can do some things with their lineups, you know. Like I mentioned in Waba and Osman, you have those two around Sexton. That's some okay. It's solid, okay to solid shooting, great defense. Come combine that with Sexton's defense, and then you throw out a Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. You know that's not the most potent offense, but it's it could do some damage. And then you can even take out a Love or Thompson, vice versa. Throw in a Nance Jr. Throw in a Rodney Hood, and you can go ultra small ball. In the floor space, it's opened up. Sex. This is think about Sexton. It's all come down to Sexton. He's the centerpiece of this franchise moving forward. This is this will be the most spacious environment he's played in. We saw him operate pretty well with Alabama on a team with non shooters. You give him shooting around him, the ball in his hands, and a high pick and roll. I would trust. I trust his athleticism. His shot selection obviously needs to improve, but I think that was a product of his environment. I think in a environment where he has Corver, Hood. Love, J.R. Smith, Nwaba, Chetty Osman, George Hill even, because George Hill can him, they could play a little two-point guard, two, two point guard system too. Those two at the forefront of this team, I'm sorry, not the forefront, those two, having that much space around him will make Colin Sexton very good. And I think he is a 19-year-old player, but he is in a win-now win mode. He is built for this. He has the mentality. He has the physical. He's not the biggest, but he has the physical, like, he's built. He has, like, the physicality to handle the NBA. So I don't see this team in the upper half of the East, but if we think Kevin Love is as good as – I think Kevin Love still has a lot – not a lot of things. I think he still has – I mean, he's – how old is he? He's 29. I think he still has – he has a lot to prove. And you give someone the chip on his shoulder, combine that with Colin Sexton's massive chip on his shoulder that he plays with on any, every single night. This team is, I think, it wouldn't surprise me if they're even a six seed. Seven, six, seven, eight seed would not shock me at all. So we'll leave the Cleveland, leave the, leave Cleve, you leave Cleve. We'll leave the Cleveland Cavaliers there and move to a team that a lot of people are actually thinking will be maybe in the conference finals if one of the top teams struggles at all, and that's the Indiana Pacers. And the moves they added were, let me go through it real quick. They had added Doug McDermott, strike a midnight, three-year deal, add shooting. Tyreek Evans, six men off the bench, 
combo um, guard to actually, you know, help a Victor Lodipo in terms of getting his, not just getting his own shot, but making his own shot and, sc- and easing the scoring load. Aaron Holiday, player I did not really know a lot about in college because it's, I was just, I was in Canada and you don't really get the college basketball games up there. Just as you would, as you would probably assume, NBA, uh, NCAA basketball in the States is not as big as it is, as it's not as big in Canada. But the main thing for this is can Victor Elodipo elevate his game even more? I expect Miles Turner to, because I'm just expect. I mean, the, he's 22 years old. I feel like this is a huge leap year because everyone's talking about Victor. Everyone's talking about this team making a step forward, and I think Miles Turner is the next part. He's working out with KD and Kevin Durant. He's working out with all these people. He is showing a, a pull up jumper off the dribble, which at a set seven at six eleven at two fifty five with how he can move. That's another. I don't want him to be. I don't want my center or I don't want Miles Turner to be taking pull up jumpers or coming off his pick and rolls with Sabonis and taking, you know, pull up jumpers. And there's a prop, most likely a better shot available. But it's nice to see that he's adding that element to his game. T.J. Leaf out of UCLA, second year. He, I think he will be more coming off the bench. I think he'll be a nice four spacer along with Sabonis. So I'm looking at this roster. Trevor Booker is a nice veteran, and actually he's not even signed for 2018-19 yet. That's what the ESPN roster says. But, I mean, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be the same amount. This team will be the same thing as it was last year, except Turner will be more heavily involved if he can stay healthy throughout the season. And the bench will be a lot stronger with Tyreek Evans, Aaron Holiday, McDermott, Leaf, Sabonis. That's a, oh, Bohan, Bogdanovich. This is just a strong team, top to bottom. It's solid. They have a budding superstar. I said, yes, superstar in Victor Oladipo. It's his team. And, I I mean, I could spend a lot of time on this team. But I just don't see the... But I just, I mean, I, I loved how they played last year. And I just don't see them changing their style that much. I just see them playing at an elevated level of that style. They took the Cavs to seven, and if any, if there's any series the Cavs should have lost in the Eastern Conference, it was absolutely this this um, thing against the Pacers, because the Pacers blew a couple leads that were had a lead in Game Seven in Cleveland. They match up very well with them, and you're looking at looking at Boston. Who can, I'm looking at the Boston matchup, the Toronto Raptors matchups, and stuff like that. These in the Sixers. Am I crazy to think that Oladipo is? At worst, the top two player in all those series. I mean, go through them. Kawhi on the Raptors, who's better than no no one else on the Raptors besides Kawhi is better than Oladipo. Celtics, Kyrie, I would take Oladipo over Gordon Hayward in a heartbeat. Um, and then you go to ball. I mean, Jason. Everyone loves Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but. They're not better than Oladipo. They don't have to carry the load that Oladipo has to carry. They go to the Sixers, Embiid. Yes. Ben Simmons, I'll take Oladipo. Oladipo can shoot. Oladipo's just as good as attacking the rim. He's a better defender. And that's where I think this team is going to be is just so solid. It doesn't matter. Their defense is so... I think their defense is going to take a step forward this year. And... I am just very. I'm just expecting the 
Pacers to be a three seed. I think they'll be the same. They'll be a four seed. They'll take a small jump, but they will cause matchup problems to everybody in the East in the postseason. And I would put a small little futures bet, small, just a small one, on um, Oladipo to win the MVP. Because if he gets into the three or four seed, slight uptick in his numbers, and you're looking around the NBA, you know, you're not going to give it to anyone in the Celtics. You shouldn't. You're not going to give it to the Warriors. I feel like we're all. We're all tired of them winning MVPs, or not even not winning them, but we're just not going to give them the MVP like that. Um, and then you go to sorry, I'm drawing a right. And then you go to the Raptors, Kawhi. I guess maybe he can get some numbers, but I mean, it's just I don't see. I don't really see a bad. This is just not. That's in the East. And Bede's not going to get it. I don't think that because he has Ben Simmons. You go to the West. LeBron is obviously the favorite already. James Harden won it last year. Russell Westbrook is going to bounce back, and he's averaged back-to-back triple doubles. So all of these things are screaming in your face, saying, "Hey, um, Oladipo's a, a pretty good bet for the MVP." And I'm going to look real quick at the odds. NBA MVP. 2018 odds, real quick. Best odds checker. Giannis is there. I forgot about Giannis and Anthony Davis. There will be crowned, but you're looking all the way down. Victor Ladipo, oh my gosh, is behind Nikola Jochic, John Wall, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, Carl Anthony Towns, Damian Lillard, and Kyrie Irving. You, These are phenomenal odds to have to take. Where's LeBron? Is LeBron one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. LeBron's one. 80 to 1. You can get him at 80 to 1, 100 to 1 sometimes. So I don't mean to go on like a little quick gambling rant or anything like that, but you can if you can get these guys, I mean if you can get if you're a betting guy and you want to not even a sleeper but a candidate who you expect to continue taking a jump forward and now that we know he's arrived, the most improved player is already won. We don't have to worry about that. The next step is an MVP type season from Oladipo. He gets into the three or four seed, continues to play like this. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top five, top three of this MVP race. But leave the Pacers at that and move on to everyone's favorite team. Everyone, at the NBA hipsters have been on this team for years. I asked myself when they had, when they, I think in 2014 at lids.com was having a like fire sale of old stuff. And I actually bought the uh, an old purple and. Like the old Bucks purple, the purple deer logo. I bought a purple one of those. It was all black with purple brim, purple like line on the brim. Bought it for how much? I think I think it was like five bucks. I got it online, and I was just I just love the Bucks. Always have. And they have yeah, they have Giannis. Their big thing was losing Jabari, Jabari Parker, bringing in Milos Tadosic. No, 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 no. They didn't bring in Milos. They already had where is he? They brought in Ersten Ilyasova. I don't know why I said Milos. That was just a really random thing I thought. Um, Ersan Ilyasova. They brought in Brooke Lopez. These and Shabazz Muhammad. These guys aren't gonna turn the needle, but the main their the main thing they brought in was a was a um a, a good coach in Mike Budenholzer. And I'm not sure 
what is going to happen with the Boonholzer dynamic because he's never had a player this great as a head coach during his time in Atlanta. And it, does Giannis fit his ball movements offense? In it's just a, it's going to be a. I like the fit. I just don't know how it's going to look on paper. I don't know how I like it on paper. Actually, I have questions about it on paper. And I'm very interested to see how it's going to pan out. But I'm weirdly not really optimistic about the Bucks being a legit threat in the East. I understand that. They pushed the Celtics seven games last year. They have the best one or two, depending how you rate him and MB and all that stuff, or Kyrie. They have the, probably the best player in the Eastern Conference in Giannis. In Giannis and... The best players usually elevate themselves to win, to win in the playoff series, especially. But I don't really, see, Eric. I don't see a secondary scorer on this roster. Teams don't win in the NBA really unless you're LeBron and you have one scorer or one ball handler or one all this stuff. Chris Middleton. I love Chris Middleton. Love his defense. Love his shooting from the perimeter. Love that he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. But he's not gonna. He's. Is he gonna get you thirty points in a closeout game? Eric Bledsoe, is he going to get you 15, 20 points and six assists in a, in a closeout game? The defense is what should be elevated to an incredible status with Giannis play, hopefully playing a more small ball five. With Bledsoe, who has the talent and athleticism to be a great on-ball defender. And Chris Middleton is. And Malcolm Brogdon. There's like a lot of pieces on this team that should make them a great defensive team. They weren't with, they weren't last year. Tony Snell as well in that category of three and D guys. So they they have three and D guys, but they don't have just they don't have enough creators. However, that's that's just is something that just I can't just go all in with them. I can't go all in with a team that has one creator of the ball. And um and doesn't just doesn't have a great spacing and shooting. They're gonna make the playoffs. Giannis is gonna get MVP buzz per usual, but I just don't see them I don't see them as a threat. I don't see them as pushing it they'll they'll probably get some they'll make some, like I said, they'll make some noise in the postseason because of how great Giannis is. But besides that, I I don't see it. I really am just, I'm just, I'm pretty uninspired and unimpressed with how this team is. For lack of a better term. Well, well, I mean, it's just, it's just weird. It's just like, you know, you have one of the best top 10 players in the NBA. In my eyes, top 10. I'm not going to give my top, maybe I'll give my top 10 later. But, and I'm just, I just don't really feel well, I don't feel good about them. In terms of being a contender. So we'll see. I mean, Mike Boonholzer is a coach. This is the best coach Giannis has had by far. We'll see what he can unlock, and we'll see if he can take this team and Giannis to another level. I hope to see more ball movement. I hope to see back screens. I hope to see just a nice system installed. But I'm kind of on the half-empty side. This I'm usually on the pet optimistic side of most in most situations, but I'm really, really leaning towards the negative, the negative side of this. So... We'll leave the Milwaukee Bucks at that and go to a team that I actually 
they were the most intriguing team in my eyes last year, and they even are more so this year, and that is the Detroit Pistons. I think Blake Griffin's great. I understand the knee, the injury history. He's 29 years old, all that stuff. Budding comedy career. I I suggest you go watch some highlights of that roast. He did uh, he did a roast session against um, Jeff Ross, the roast master himself. And Blake Griffin's just such a funny. He has a deadpan comedy delivery. But I am just I'm ecstatic to see Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin on the front court again. The whole league is going small, and here come the Pistons and Dwayne Casey coming in as the coach, who is, for his credit, maybe couldn't get, I mean, he couldn't get the Raptors over LeBron. But he's always been a great defensive coach. And if you can bring out a defensive team with Drummond, with Blake Griffin, Stanley Johnson, I... This is this is a team that I'm going to live and I'm going to die by the sword with and go down with the ship. Bruce Brown, rookie out of Miami, we'll see. Yeah, not whatever. Reggie Bullock, spot up shooter, he'll do his thing. Jose Cotero, not worry. Larry Drew, not worry. Yeah. Drummond, yes. Henry Ellenson, spacing big man off the bench. Very, very, very. I really, really like that pick. I really like that. Um I really like him with this system, with this bench, because, you know, there's him and John Lewis are going to be a pretty spacious bench. You have Jameer Nelson running the point with Glenn Robinson and Ish Smith off, Ish Smith off the bench. So this bench could be sneaky good. But the main thing is Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Stanley Johnson, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. That five actually really excites me. Like, really excites me. There's getting there's I'm on the opt, I'm very optimistic about Stanley Johnson. Defensively, cannot uh, defensively that could be a nightmare. I understand that. And I've been preaching about my defense taking over the pride over offense. But I like Dwayne Casey as a coach. They're gonna play fast. And I'm expecting to see Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond pick and rolls. And that is so awesome to watch. This is probably my eyes and my excitement taking over my head and my heart in terms of loving this team but hopefully Luke Kennard will play a vital role in this as I think he will because I think he played in summer league if my, and I think he dominated just a little bit if my mind is correct but I mean it's just out. they're not deep they're really not extremely deep but their bench knows how to play basketball, which sounds kind of crazy. We're talking about NBA players, but you have a Jameer Nelson, as I mentioned before, Ish Smith. Now I don't think they'll play that much together. But you have people who are just smart basketball players on the bench, and they're starting five. If they can click, big if, will be fun. I expect they are a playoff team in my eyes. I think they're starting five. Six, seven deep is talented enough to make the playoffs. I think they have two of the top 10 players, two of the top 10, 15 players in the East. You get them at full training camp of Griffin in this with Dwayne Casey. You give, you give these teams more time. I think it's kind of on the, it kind of borders the 
Pelican situation, although neither of these players are Anthony Davis, and maybe even neither of them are Boogie Cousins, depending on how you view Boogie. But it takes them a while to figure it out. They're going to stagger their minutes. Drummond will be the center point. Center point. Blake Griffin will play small ball five and have shooting around him like he's like he kind of had an L the Clippers sometimes. When he was playing point, point forward with just five, four shooters, it was beautiful to watch. So I'm hopeful that Blake Griffin's knees can stay healthy. I'm hopeful that Reggie Jackson can stay healthy. And I think this is a playoff team. Stone Cold locked them in. And just hope they stay healthy. That's all I can say. And I don't, and I, this is a team, I just love them. I know. I'm just all in. I'm not, I'm all in on the Pistons being a team. And if you get them in the postseason where the game slows down, that size can take over some teams. It can overwhelm some teams. The Celtics do not want to see the Detroit Pistons in the first round. With their small lineups, they do not want to see the Detroit Pistons. They'll win, but that will be a six, five, six, seven game series. It won't be a sweep where they have to grind every single game because the Pistons will be physical with them. 76ers, eh. Raptors, we'll see. I mean, Dwayne, the Dwayne Casey ball, ball with that motivation could be something, but he's not playing. But I'd one for the gaffer, that's the thing. But if the Pistons can get in, and I think they, and I, I'm saying they will, they'll be, a, they're just, it's just, you just don't see that much, you don't see this much talented size in the, in, in the four and five position in the NBA, really. At this side, in terms of big men talent and posting up and using physical, physical power to overwhelm people. So, well, that's that. We'll leave the Pistons there and go to the bottom of the division. And that is the Chicago Bulls, who kind of made some interesting moves. They, they got the summer off great. They brought in Wendell Carter Jr. They drafted him, who looked great. He looked ballerina-esque with this footwork, knocking down some jump shots, playing great defense at the center, at power forward, four or five, big man position. They drafted him sixth or seventh, seventh overall from Duke. And then things got weird in terms of how people viewed this team, such as like how people thought they were going to, like how they're going to look. Because a lot of people were bright on their future with Wendell Carter Jr. and Larry Markinen, you know, halfway through the summer league. I'm like, oh, this is the new team, you know. Denzel Valentine, one of my favorite players, 6'6", six, six, who can do it all from the, do it all point shoot He's from the Michigan not the best athlete but he knows how to play the game. Um, Justin Holiday, okay point guard and stuff like that. They let David and Wobble go. Resign Zach Levine to a four year deal. A player that is people are kind of split on, but I you know I like the athleticism he he possesses. I think he's in he's improving his jump shot. But his injury risk is why that number seems bad. And then it got even weirder in terms of this when they brought the prodigal son Jabari Parker home on a two-year deal. The thing about the Jabari, the Zach Levine deal is one thing. You know, you traded for him. You traded Jimmy Butler for him in the Bright Stellari marketing. So you have to get, and Chris Dunn. Sorry, I don't know why Chris Dunn didn't come up. Chris Dunn. So you look at that and you're saying, hmm. It makes sense for them to invest in Levine because they traded away their best player for Dunn, Levine himself, and a first-round pick. And they swapped first-round picks. It's just, I can't believe that actually happened. So that. But then they, Jabari Parker, injury history, 
doesn't really fit in with this roster per se in terms of his fit because you want you want to play Markkinen and Carter Jr. and then you have to play Parker at the three, and you have to play Levine at the two, and then Dunn at the one, and that's just a lot of. What's the right word? There's not a lot of spacing, and there's not a lot of defense. Although I think Jabari Parker, yes, he's best deployed as a as a um a, a small ball four, even though he's six eight two fifty. But he is best defensively when he's on the perimeter and he's active and stuff like that. And then you look at Zach Levine. Hasn't been the best defender even though he has all the athletic tools. Chris Dunn is known for his defense. Markkinen, impressed defensively, but not the best. And then you take a look at Wendell Carter Jr. And I don't even, and you just and you're just like, hmm. Where does can he be a great enough defender to what's the word to make up for all of this? You know, I don't know. That's a question that I am very confused. Not confused. I'm very. It it makes me think a little bit. You know, because how good this defense this defense is going to be isn't going to be good. But then you're like, hmm. Maybe that's okay. Maybe the defense isn't that big of a deal because we have nothing to win this year. Our expectations are not to do anything except maybe make the playoffs. You take a chance and you bring home a local Chicago kid in hopes that he can reinvent his game and stay healthy. That's the only thing you're hoping for. With a with this team with this guy, so I'm I understand why they were heavily criticized, but sometimes you have to look at the big picture and say, you know what, I think it's I it's okay, because in the age of tanking, in the age of tanking, sometimes making, sometimes getting sacrificing one more year, and stuff like that works. Their cap space is not as bad as you, the Levine contract tied up their cap space, but besides that, they're fine. I mean, what what's what's I don't I don't I don't know what how much more um I don't know what you want it, it you you should be upset about this pick if you had any idea what they um if you hadn't understand if you had an idea in your head of what this team should look like in terms of contention. I don't see them as a contender at all. Never have. But this team should be fun. They're going to get up and down the floor. Hoiberg plays a great system. So why not just be like, eh, it's cool. Let me throw them in. Let's get um, let's get this ship rolling. Let's see what Jabari Parker can look like. Because if they can get Parker back, that if Parker looks like the player we think he does, then... They have a steal. They have a steal on their on their hand in my eyes. So, rambling on about the bull, oh, the Bulls for way too long. So, let's leave it at that. Let's leave this podcast there because I mean I'm rambling on about the Chicago Bulls trying to talk myself into these picks being solid, and I don't just don't see how that's gonna. I just don't see it. So. Let's leave the yeah. Let's leave the podcast there. We'll come back in a couple in a couple days. 
Sorry for rant. I kind of lost my train of thought at the end of this. You know, I'm trying to get like six things done. I'm trying to just get this nail this podcast out. But got all got all five teams in, and you know this is the this is an interesting. This is a lot more interesting than the other divisions in this Eastern Conference because Pacers are going to take a step forward. Hopefully, Cavaliers are going to take a step back. The Bulls are going to be interesting. The Bucks, we don't know what's going to happen, and the Pistons are an enigma. This is just a team full of enigmas, and I'm here for it. I'm all here for this division in the Eastern Conference. So that'll do it for the um, what is the division called? That will do it for the Central Division preview in the Eastern Conference. And we'll be back next time to preview the Atlantic, which features the three heavy hitters in this conference. So as always, go to hoopshabit.com, check out everything that we're writing and putting out, and have a good one.